turn now to the scripture for this morning, which is found in the sixth chapter of the book of John. I begin at verse 43 and read through verse 59 of John 6. Stop grumbling among yourselves, Jesus answered. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him and I will raise him up the last day. As it is written in the prophets, they will all be taught by God. Everyone who listens to the Father and learns from him comes to me. No one has seen the Father except the one who is from God only. He has seen the Father. I, I tell you the truth. He who believes has everlasting life. And Jesus continues to talk to us and say to us this morning, I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate manna in the desert, yet they died. But here is the bread that comes down from heaven, which a man may eat and not die. I'm the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. The bread is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. And then the Jews began to argue sharply among themselves, how can this man give us his flesh to eat? And Jesus said to them, I tell you the truth. Unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up the last day. For my flesh is real food, and my blood is real drink. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me and I in him. Just as the living Father sent me and I live because of the Father, so the one who feeds on me will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven. Your forefathers ate manna and died, but he who feeds on this bread will live forever. Congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, I just want to underscore page 53, or rather, verse 53. I tell you the truth, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. My brothers and sisters, when these words were first spoken, 
in the context in which Jesus was speaking, the people must have looked at him with astonishment. He was a man who, so far as they were concerned, was one who appeared to be ordinary, his flesh, his fingernails, his eyes, and all that about him. And of course, there had been things said about him and proclaimed about him that they could hardly understand the miracles which he had performed and all of that. To be sure, they were aware of that. But here he speaks of something that almost must have shaken them deep inside. The Jews, with their careful prescription of what you should eat and how you should eat it and at what times and what utensils you should use, Jesus said, unless you eat me, you have no life in yourself. Unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in yourself. And those words, striking and meaningful as they were in that context, fearful and, and strange. And it must have been almost as if he had lost his senses that he would speak to them of eating his flesh and drinking his blood. That was an event that in their minds they could only connect with the most ugly of human beings, the most ugly of human civilizations, where people would do something like that. And so he shocked them. Unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. And so it was that before he left this world with his disciples, he established the sacrament that we will in this morning receive. And I believe, and I would hope you would agree, that this word here in the sixth chapter of the book of John it's something that we need to put as the foundation of the very sacrament that we are going to receive. Jesus is the one who has specifically, purposely, and without flinching said, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no life in yourself. And every time I read those words or think about them, I think about, how can this be? That there is some relationship between, between the human flesh of anybody else beside myself, so that someone might suggest that I should eat their flesh. 
And as you know, many of you, I'm sure you do, that, that this idea has become the foundation of what we often call a sacramental theology that we do not really agree with. There are large elements of the Christian community which believe that there is some special contemporary miracle which occurs in the bread of communion, the wafer that is used. And right now my wife and I are living in a different place where we're living with a lot of other elderly people who, who believe that way. That when they go to a Sunday afternoon to this one place, they will eat Jesus with their teeth and tongues. But I am confident as a person within the Reformation community that there is no such magic. Even though I look with respect at those who, who feel differently, and I love these people, but to eat Jesus, to eat the bread, to drink the wine this morning, has that been changed? No. It is still the same material that it was before. But Jesus has declared, this is a symbol so powerful of my blood and my flesh, of who I am. It is so powerful, a symbol, that when you eat it and when you drink it, you may be assured that if you do this in faith, it is as if you are being joined to Christ himself. As I've been thinking about this the last few days, it seems to me that the meaning of the word eat in this text is a meaning that transcends what we do when we eat our food. We may say of a young boy or girl, whatever the case may be, in high school or grade school, and they're getting into a, the knowledge of a sport that they're involved in. And we can say, they just eat it up. They eat it up. They're so excited about it. It's so wonderful. It takes hold of them completely. There is a sense in which the word to eat is used here in its 
non-material sense. When you first fall in love with the person that you ultimately marry, that relationship takes over in your life. And even though you may at certain points be separated by many miles, that devours your emotions and takes hold of your life. The word eat in this instance is not one which requires a mother to say, now wipe your lips when she talks to her children. But this is a word that refers to the spiritual nourishment of an individual totally completely by the Holy Spirit of the living God. And so Jesus here on the way to the cross, knowing that he's speaking a mystery, says, unless you become so close to me and I become so close to you, it is like that which, which great food does for you and for your person. And there is that unity. To be a Christian is not simply to say, yes, I believe the confessions of my church. I do. And they are important. But they are words spread across sheets of paper. And books of theology, and some of us have studied them. And you see all these ideas spread across the page about what Jesus did and all that sort of thing and his return and all that sort of thing and you say oh it's so good to read all those things and think about them all and and wonder if so and so might be right and another person might be a little bit wrong and you might say uh, this theology is great and it can be important and it is important. But Jesus, when he came before his disciples and his people who were following him, said, what has to happen is this. I tell you the truth. Unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man, and drinks his blood. You have no life in yourself. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life and I will raise him up on the last day. For my flesh is real food, and my blood is real drink. And whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me, and I in him.
And so my brothers and sisters, I pray that you agree that these simple elements upon this table are that which Christ supplies as his flesh and his blood. And while the substance of these elements is not changed, the reality of what it means to be a Christian is changed. What do we say when we say, when we talk about Christian people, we say, well, they, they go to such and such a church, and that's a good church, you know, all the doctrines are just exactly what they ought to be, da-da-da-da-da. We ask the question, but has he been born again? Born again. New birth. We all recognize that. That that's so important. To be alive with the Spirit of Christ. And so as you go to the table this morning, I invite you to remember Jesus' words. It's not my word, it's Jesus' word. Unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in yourself. People who are born again because of their connection with Jesus, he will raise again on the last day. And theology, however important it may be, and all the doctrines, however important they may be, they do not eclipse in importance this word of Jesus. If you are connected with me through faith and you eat this sacrament, you will be alive, alive. And so we come to the table this morning and we look at ourselves and we say, Jesus, I don't know how I got here, but somehow or another you directed my life and you said this to me and that to me and I came to realize that you are my Savior and my God. And I am never going to die. And the day will come when I'll see him face to face. But not only will I see him face to face, but I will see the scars on his hands and the blood that flowed from his side to pay for the sinner's Sins. And we will have eternal life. Oh, I pray that if there's anybody here this morning who for whatever reason says, uh, I don't know if I'm that close. May God move mightily in this church 
And yes, indeed, I do see the empty benches here and all of that, and somehow it simply says to me, may Cottage Grove Church be used by God to bring this Lord Jesus Christ in all of his power and all of his grace and all the reality of his salvation to the lost, that they may eat his flesh, not with their teeth and tongues, but with their souls. And this will be a place where eternal life is celebrated. This is our celebration this morning, brothers and sisters. And with this idea, I conclude this sermon, and I ask you to pray with me before we turn to the communion formulary. Oh God, this is something, some churches have this Sunday after Sunday after Sunday. We have it only infrequently, three or four times a year, maybe five. But most of all, your grace can be among us and we can feel ourselves being nourished by your presence and the power of your forgiving spirit. Oh yes, Holy Spirit of the living God, dwell mightily within these walls this morning as we partake of the elements within the next few moments. Please be with us and care for us and bring us close to you. And may we eat Jesus, our Savior, so overwhelmed and impressed by him and what he has done and by the spirit he has sent. It is as if his very being has been united with our own. Thank you, Jesus, for this great miracle. In the name of Jesus, amen.